Welcome back to Glass Onion Minute. This is a movie by minute podcast breaking down the 2022 sequel to Knives Out, Glass Onion, and we're breaking it down one minute of screen time per episode. I am your host this week. I'm flying solo. My name is Paul Francis Sullivan. Feel free to call me Sully. I am the host of the Locked On MLB podcast and also previously the host of Bull Durham Minute, as well as the Sully Baseball Daily Podcast and a bunch of other shows. I was a producer for The Daily Show with John Stewart for a little bit, and I got an Emmy nomination for my troubles working as a producer for San Francisco Public Television, and I've done a lot of stuff. And the director of the independent film, I'll Believe You, which saw the inside of a couple of movie theaters way back when in 2007. My God, they were approaching the pretty soon be the 20th anniversary of that for me. Not sure if we're going to do a movie by minute on that one. Hey, on this one, today's episode begins with Helen pretending she's Andy tossing a uh, I believe it's a cell phone into Bertie's bag. There was a time, you know, back when I was the one on magazines. He was nobody. He was this little thing in my hand. I preferred that. Andy! Hi! Wow! And it ends with Lionel dumping something into Andy's drink, not Helen's drink, Andy's drink. There's lots of, well, uh, deceptions of identity and double crossing, all sorts of stuff in this minute where we're seeing the tail end of Helen's snooping around as Andy. And we see her approaching the pool where... She tosses the the phone into the bag while Birdie is yapping and yapping to poor Peg, who has to hear all of it. I mean, you you know we're only catching the absolute tip of the iceberg of everything that Birdie is saying and complaining and basically talking about how she used to be the significant one and not Miles. We assume she's talking about Miles. And it's... You wonder how much of this is real. You wonder because, you know, Birdie has certainly been one to stretch the truth and virtually everything that she says. And how much of this you can take with a grain of salt. But it also goes to the reality of what is happening in the weekend, that everyone is acting so outwardly friendly, so outwardly loving, that these are friends who are getting together in a recreation of their this center point of the friendship and remember uh, a few weeks when I ago when I did my first uh, batch episodes that uh, Miles met them all at the uh, you know at the uh, uh, the dock while playing Blackbird on the on his uh, on the guitar so there creates this illusion of oh, these are friends who, despite what happened, despite all the success or everything that happens in their lives, yeah, they're still going to have each other. They're still down to earth. And none of that's true. No, that's true. They all are there for selfish reasons. They're all there because they are sycophants to Miles Braun and they need him to 
bail them out of all the failures that they've had in their lives. And you're seeing just not just the fact that the the strength of the friendship is may not be as strong as you would think, but the the intense pettiness of Bertie and you know everything that's going on in this scene seems to be about people being two-faced. I mean, obviously we saw what had happened uh, in the previous minute with uh, with Claire and Lionel breaking down the fact that the uh, the the energy source that they're they bank their entire fortunes on is a disaster. And so they're there for selfish reasons. She's, you know, Birdie is there because she's put a bullet into the foot of her brand. And the one honest thing, the one really honest thing that she says, you know, at all, when she has that massive hat on her head was when she was talking about how, you know, she was the more significant one. She was the one on the magazines and she liked that better. She liked being the center of it better because these are all very selfish and shallow people. And not exactly, uh, there's not a lot, there's not as much going on on any of these people uh, except what's on the surface. And they, everyone acts like there's more that's on the surface. Maybe there's one in the previous minute, uh, 89. Which was uh, which was Claire and Lionel talking about the energy source? You know, it's interesting that this was again they're having a conversation. We're on the surface of the water. That there's everyone here is is just surface level here, and we get to the point where um, uh, Helen, as Andy, winds up sitting down and. You know, Kate Hudson's fantastic in in this thing. I think she's fantastic throughout the whole film. And she has the moment where she sees Andy. You know, she's really seeing Helen, but she sees Andy for the first time. And it's sort of like when we're seeing it, we saw in the original version, it was kind of a startling that Andy was there. And, and uh, you know, immediately Bertie puts on the phoniness. Bertie puts on the fake enthusiasm of seeing Andy there and you know and and we've all been witness that this is not at all who this person is who any of these people are and with that we see the great shot of uh, Janelle Monet uh, sort of please tell me dear god I'm pronouncing your name correctly do you want me to say about the character's name Helen as Andy sort of looking with that you don't have control over me look on her face which we now know on this viewing is Helen and under the surface of hers, everything we're talking about is on the surface. Under the surface of her is a babbling brook of nervousness, anxiety, and insecurity, all masked by that amazing look that she gives. And then we get right back to, yeah, I mean, look, at, I'm, I'm going to come right out and say it. I hope no one minds. Uh, Benoit Blanc is my favorite character of both of these films. Uh, and I love watching Daniel Craig, one of the smoothest, coolest, sexiest guys in the world, having fun playing this goofy character. I, mean, I love every, he's clearly having the time of his life doing it. And so he's wearing, 
I love what he's wearing. He almost looks like he's part of the French Merchant Marines with this sort of this blue striped shirt. You almost expect him to have a beret and a red scarf, and or maybe he looks like a almost like a or, or like a gondolier, like in Venice. He just this outfit he's wearing is so just wacko, and it matches the the color scheme of the painting behind him. And you know, we've just watched Andy doing the whole. Uh, you know, snooping around. And, you know, he says, you're good. You're really good at this. This is interesting stuff about whiskey and motives for both Lionel and Claire. Well done. Those were motives? Mm-hmm. Because I was kind of confused. Oh, no. You know, they bet the farm and we'll both be ruined along with Miles if he fails. They need to protect him at all costs. But I can't imagine them killing her. I just can't. Think of the crime. The nature of it. Now they've come to apologize, to make amends, and the murder itself. And yeah, we're all thinking that, and I'm, I'm reminded of the scene that I talked about uh, a couple episodes ago, where we sh- where we see Helen in the the bedroom where this scene is taking place. And she's saying stupid, stupid, like she's repeating it in her head. And I was saying that could very easily have been a scene that could have been very easily deleted. It could have been completely discarded because you seem to have a natural transition. I need you to snoop around. Then you start seeing her snooping around. But seeing her nervousness in that scene creates such it was so important and we're seeing the payoff of this that she's insecure about her ability to do this she goes out stays in character and then when she comes back to the same room she's given the encouragement from benoit that she's actually really darn good at this and i think this is one of the reasons this is one of the reasons why i like this movie this is one of the reasons why i like the direction of this film this is one of the reasons why i like how it unfolds because Brian Johnson allows the film to unfold, even if it means putting in some things that could feel superfluous because it adds to building this as a character film. I'm sure, as I, as I, I made the point when I was a guest host on The Glass Onion Minute and now on this one, that I'm sure if I really sat down, I could find all sorts of holes in the mystery. In the end, I don't care because I'm here for the fun of it. I'm here for the parlor game of it. I'm here to see celebrities having fun. And we're reminded it's also like a giant clue game. It, and and we'll, the, the visual part of that in this scene we'll get into. But so allowing for a scene to take place, which doesn't necessarily move the plot, but it does move the characters. And that's a sign of a director who is respecting the audience who is respecting the story. Now, and I, and I love that. And of course, when, you know, Ben Wong points out that uh, she's finding motive, she's finding this, and she's like, did I really? It's like, she's so good at it. And it's like, you know, I do sometimes, I, I, was, I do as a special education teacher, which is my main job that I have, I sometimes collect data on my students and I hand that over to some of the psychologists and some of the social workers and some of the occupational therapists who I work with. And they can sometimes look at the data that I have accumulated and they 
can come to certain solutions. Sometimes the person bringing together the data is not necessarily the one who's going to be analyzing the data. So sometimes someone may be, you know, I may be pointing out stuff or showing stuff that to me may seem insignificant, but actually paint the picture. So this is why you need to have the two brains working on this. And her snooping around, giving the data to Benoit is really, uh, just shows that the, you have people bringing different strengths to the table. I love that she has the Clue scorecard here. You know, we saw references, a lot of references to Clue in uh, the original Knives Out, especially the Thromby house. And there references it to being like a, a, they're living in a giant Clue board. And now we've got the Clue uh, scorecard in this, in this scene. Uh, I wonder, because they're, they're making a third Benoit Blanc film. And again, I hope none of the characters returned. I hope it's just Benoit going into a new uh, uh, adventure each time. And I'm trying to think about the 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 clue imagery. You have the the, the playing board uh, is is basically recreated in the first movie. The scorecards are basically re recreated in this movie. So I wonder if the things like the candlestick or the rope, or the wrench, or the revolver, all the, 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 the methods of the weapons in Clue will be appearing in whatever the third one is. Uh, I don't know. I hope so. We have um, Benoit reminding the audience of the motives that are out there, that they're all there. They all desperately need Miles to, to bail them out, and reminding that Andy's very existence is a threat to Miles, and if the if that Jenga piece of Miles is taken out, their lives fall apart too. When you are built on the foundation of somebody, everyone is built on the foundation of Miles. They're all the remoras to the shark, as I've said in the other episode. If that shark is eliminated, if that building collapses, whatever analogy you want to use, their lives are dead. So yeah, Wealthy people who realize that their entire lives, their entire livelihood, all the things they're fighting for could be destroyed if what this person knows is brought to light. That's a fabulous motive for murder. And we even see in the, in the end of the clip of this particular clip, you saw Lionel leaning over and quickly dumping the thing into Andy's cup. Um... And that's, uh, it just, it's just an overview of that. These are people who, uh, there's not much more than, they appear to have stuff beneath the surface and there's nothing beneath the surface. They're all about to collapse. And one of the things that makes this, makes the, both of the Glass Onion, both the Glass Onion and Knives Out uh, films that I think are rewatchable are scenes like this, scenes where, we saw the scene one version. Now let's see it another version. And it's interesting to go back and rewatch it and try to get a sense of whether or not a film can survive multiple viewings. And I think one way it does is that each time you watch it, you're seeing from a different perspective and with different knowledge. And uh, it makes the scene a lot of fun. And it makes the performance that uh, Janelle Monáe has is, is really wonderful because her Andy has this aura, this almost, you know, it's funny, the, the, all the connections they have with the Mona Lisa, this sort of uh, 
the blank stare that has a lot of emotion behind it, but you assign what you feel that emotion is truly saying. Uh, and Helen, who's a bundle of nerves. And the way that she carries herself as Helen, as opposed to Andy, is really wonderful at how it's different. And you're seeing that her ability to be a, a detective to, that impresses Benoit Blanc uh, is reminiscent of Marta in Knives Out. And I wonder if, you know, if they keep making him that they'll be kind of, you know, like how they, the, like all the characters from Avengers and Infinity War and Endgame all met up. I wonder if the final uh, Knives Out film is going to be uh, including all the beautiful young women who turned into detectives helping Benoit Blanc in kind of a, a super team up. I don't know. I'm, who knows what's going to happen there, but um, yeah, that's pretty much all I got on minute 50. Uh, hey, it was, by the way, I just had a lot of fun flying solo. I, this was not the way it was. It was originally going to have a, a guest host, but there was a, uh, there were several problems that were uh, in terms of, technical things that happened and so i hope that my, my guest host will appear on uh, later episodes uh and i'll just say that i'm going to be appearing in one final set of episodes uh which is going to be on the last week of october i'm going to be doing episodes 121 through 125 with uh, rick ingham and i'm looking forward to putting those together and uh and having those be part of those are the last bunch we're going to do um you know I, I i hope you've enjoyed this uh the next uh the next group of episodes which are going to be dropping on the 18th of september uh, austin Pryor is going to be the host with uh sarah f decker so she is the, the two of them going to be doing for the next few weeks there so um this has been a lot of fun and uh, my name again, is, I'm, I'm Paul Francis Sullivan. So follow me at Sully Baseball on Twitter or whatever the hell it's called now. Sully Baseball Podcast on Instagram. Uh, the show, this show is at Twitter at Glass Onion Min, all one word. Uh, we're on Instagram at Benoit Blanc Minute, all one word. Uh, if you're on threads, it's at uh, threads.com slash Benoit Blanc Minute. Uh, and please, uh, if you like the podcast, uh, rate, review, subscribe on your podcaster, podcatcher of choice. Well, folks, we will find out what happens and how much more of the snooping needs to be done when we pick this up in minute number 91 of Glass Onion here on Glass Onion Minute.